Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into Indian equities, in particular growth Indian equities. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by the co-head of equities at Ocean Dial Asset Management, Gaurav Narain. Gaurav, thank you much for being with us today. Thank you, Jonathan. So, Gaurav, we're going to be speaking in particular about the India Capital Growth Fund. It's uh, an investment trust managed by Ocean Dial. We're going to be looking as well at the wider economic picture in India and why you feel it's a good opportunity at the moment. But before we get into it, Gaurav, please, would you be able to give us a brief introduction to yourself as well as the trust, please? Yeah, so I've been, I'm based out of Mumbai in India, and I've been managing equities for the last 30 odd years. Uh, I've been uh, a very bottom up stock picker, uh, started my career on the sell side. So really, that's what got me into the research, equity research side. So I've been managing in the India Capital Growth Fund for uh, almost 11 years now. And this is a fund which is focused on the mid, mid and small cap companies in India. And how we really invest is we really um, go deep into companies being on the ground. We spend a lot of our time traveling and meeting businesses. But what we really do is we buy businesses with a three to five year holding horizon. We look at businesses which we find are predictable, have high quality management. And of course, the nature of the business is good. So very cash flow focused, very return on capital employed focus. And uh, we've really built a portfolio of what we call long term compounders. Looking at the performance before we started recording, Gaurav, this investment trust, the India Capital Growth Fund, has had a tremendous run over the last three years. Looking here, it's up in the region of 230% over this period. What do you feel have been the biggest drivers behind this performance? Yeah, I think uh, one should also take into fact that, you know, three years also is a period where your base had had the COVID impact. And that was a period when uh, markets across the world uh, fell. Uh, uh, so really, 230% from that base, uh, in, in some sense, uh, feels a bit exaggerated. But having said that, uh, I would say the fund has done uh, well. And it's largely driven by a good performance by the portfolio companies. Uh, most have delivered on earnings uh, in spite of COVID, in spite of inflation, and more importantly, the outlook uh, looks equally equally promising. So what we've really seen is valuations catch up to earnings, and that's really what's driving the performance. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when we buy businesses, we really look at uh, what we call predictable, consistent compounders and high quality managements with uh, a very strong business profile itself. So really over time, as long as companies deliver uh, on the earnings uh, growth, I think that's half our problem solved. And over time, the and time, the performance really itself uh, leads to your earnings, uh, leads to the performance of the portfolio. So we'll discuss uh, some of those portfolio holdings a little bit later on in the, in the podcast, but we'll stay with the, the bigger picture, if we may, 
uh, Gaurav, at the, at the moment and, and look at, at India. For you, what, what are the top three reasons for being so bullish on India at the moment? I would say, you know, uh, the core is that the foundation of the economy is very strong uh, now. And the reason for that is that India really went through a lot of uh, tough times in the form of uh, reforms which were implemented during 2014 to 2019. Uh, That led to a lot of uncertainty and disruption to the business models of companies. But what it's come out is uh, from this is that today we're in a situation where the banking system is clean. Uh, it has the lowest non-performing assets uh, uh, in, in the last decade or so. Uh, the corporate sector has low level of leverage. Uh, the regulatory environment is a lot more transparent and very conducive to business. And also India has built a very strong digital infrastructure which has really improved efficiencies across the system. So I would say that's one leg uh, which has really uh, been built over the last uh, four, five years. What's happening now is that the entire focus of the government is on pushing growth. And for the last two years, they've taken the, the mantle and aggressively pushed on infrastructure investments. In fact, the pipeline is over a $1.5 trillion. And this infrastructure has taken place in roads, railways, build out, etc. And now we are also seeing the private sector start starting to participate in this in this uh, uh, capex build out uh, as utilizations have gone up. And uh, so we are seeing both uh, infrastructure taking off, the private sector capex taking off, and that's really driving a lot of growth momentum. Uh, having said that, I think India is also now fairly favorably positioned because uh, the geopolitics is actually uh, playing into India's hands. I think this whole uh, you know China de-risking and supply chain de-risking, which is uh, being talked about, uh, for India, it's really in an environment where you've already created so many uh, uh, changes. Uh, India suddenly become a very attractive manufacturing destination and we're really seeing that happen. Uh, It's also a fact that, you know, for India, the demographics are also very favorable because we have the largest population in the world today and a very young population. So I would say it's a confluence of a lot of things uh, falling into place, uh, which makes us really believe that the story going forward is very structural in nature. It's not a one or two year phenomena, but we're actually seeing a decade of reasonable six to seven percent GDP growth. This is this is a fascinating point that, that I want to explore next, Gaurav. And, and it's looking at the relationship with, with China and obviously what's happening there and, and how India is benefiting from the move away from China. You know, it's not only India, of course, there's other countries within the region which are benefiting. So it would be interesting to hear, first of all, how India is benefiting from the, the notion that the businesses and, and investment is, is spanning out across the, the, the region and also to get an idea of the scale of, of this benefits. Sure. I'll tell you what's really happened is one is, uh, you know, India today is very cost competitive. Its labor cost is one third of China. Uh, the tax structure is amongst the lowest in the world. And as I mentioned earlier, the infrastructure is also improved. 
to top it all, the government two years back started announcing a lot of incentive schemes uh, called the production linked incentives to really attract uh, uh, manufacturing in, in, into India. And that we are actually seeing playing out, especially with, uh, you know, this China de-risking happening. And it's happening in two forms, uh, I would say. The first is uh, in the form of companies actually shifting manufacturing uh, directly into, into India. For example, uh, if you take, uh, and this a lot of this has happened in areas like electronic manufacturing, chemicals, etc., for example, if you take someone like an Apple, about three to four years back, they had no presence in India. Today, uh, in the last three years, all their suppliers uh, have set up uh, plants in India, uh, right from, uh, you know, Windstorm, Pegastrom, Foxconn. And they are exporting almost a billion dollars worth of iPhones every month. Uh, uh, Apple's own target is that 25% of the global iPhone manufacturing will be shifting to India. So that's the scale of transformation you're seeing on, on one end. And we've seen that with a lot of other uh, consumer electronic companies also already shifting uh, manufacturing into India. We're seeing that also in, say, sectors like chemicals, uh, where a number of uh, European and US companies have, you know, uh, have Indian companies have set up uh, exclusive uh, facilities uh, to export to them, which are, you know, you've got 10 year, five to 10 year sort of contracts uh, uh, specifically for that. I think the second area, uh, not just manufacturing, is where actually Indian companies are gaining a lot on shifting demand. And this is, you can see it across sectors uh, where they are winning business from Chinese competitors. Uh, and for example, take even a thing like a uh, transmission TARS. You know, we have we, in our portfolio company itself, we see one uh, which has won tenders from Australia, from the US, from Europe. These are markets this company ne never serviced. Uh, the same uh, you can see in diverse areas like textiles, uh, a lot of business coming in from, from, uh, from US, which was typically sourced from China. Uh, another diverse area like, say, floor tiles, uh, where again, uh, from a, a zero exports to the US today, the largest market for uh, ceramic tile exports out of India is, is the US. So it's really uh, a lot of companies are de-risking supply chains and, you know, India is getting a, a fairly large share of, of this business. And what, what one should really uh, uh, realize is that China is... Goliath, you know, in every sector, uh, their size would be almost 10x that of India. So even if a small shift happens, uh, it means, you know, uh, business for Indian companies is almost doubling. So uh, you really need, don't need mega shifts. A small percentage shift itself is, 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 is phenomenal for uh, a lot of companies in the Indian market. And that's actually adding to a lot of incremental growth. Thank you. So now let's drill down into the trust a little bit deeper, please, Gaurav, and, and, and look at, you've obviously outlined the, the macro picture there, the, the, the trends which are driving uh, business and, and returns in, in India. So now it will be good to get an idea of how you're capturing this. So, you know, if, if you may, could you outline some of your, your, your biggest holdings and, and how they're playing into to the trends that you've just outlined? Okay, so, you know, there are multiple trends happening in India today. 
but i would say the core is that the domestic economy itself is doing extremely well uh, driven by investments uh, and capex that is happening and so i would say the largest exposure of our portfolio is to our financials uh, we own four banks uh, and this they combine about 25% of of our portfolio now if you see the banking system uh, uh, there's no asset quality problem and credit is growing at over 15% and this credit growth is actually being driven uh, not just by the corporate sector but by the small and medium enterprises but as as well as retail so it's a very diversified growth that's happening and you know we have playing this core india infrastructure and uh, growth story from banks and also from our cement companies uh on the other legs uh, you know what we are also seeing is say one of our largest exposures is a company called uh, uh, ram krishna forgings it's an auto ancillary but it's seeing again multiple growth levers uh, from largely being a supplier of forging components to uh, the commercial vehicles in india today it's winning business from clients in europe from us from latam and a lot of it is really a uh, business moving out of china coming to companies like him uh, another leg for him actually is happening in the in- india itself where the railways is a big big capex spender and he's winning uh, multiple contracts for supplying to coaches so really multiple drivers for a for a company company like him uh, then we have uh, i would say the largest i, I mentioned uh, apple uh, shifting uh, supplies to india but a lot like samsung motorola philips are also doing something very similar and today we have a company called dixon which is the largest such uh, uh, electronic uh, manufacturer in india so we call it uh, the foxconn of india and it's really seeing its uh, you know revenues grow at almost 50% per annum uh, it's winning you know the number of one is running uh, Uh, it's difficult to catch up with the sort of number of deals it's winning uh, virtually every 2 3 months from new new global clients so that's the sort of uh, uh, plays we are finding uh, we also own uh, the largest uh, uh, tile manufacturer in india and as i mentioned that there's a big uh, export of tiles which is happening now this company is actually the uh, is purely uh, playing the domestic market but what it's done is because the demand from exports is so much uh, he's getting a lot of pricing power or other the competitive environment in india is easing because a lot of uh, capacity is being diverted to exports so we have seen multiple themes uh, playing out and across our portfolio uh every company seems to be having uh not just one but two three legs of growth growth playing out so i'd, I'd like to stay on on the trust if if you may go over and and look at something that i think is is particularly interesting just looking at the the discount uh, of the trust is, is around 6% which is much better than a lot of the peers out there in the the space of course investment trusts that are focused on india could you speak to why you think that that may be well i think it's it's multiple reasons and i would say uh, what is of course performance uh, uh, the fund trust has done very well and and that's also getting reflected in investor interest 
but over time and over years we've spent a lot of time also in marketing the trust with a lot of retail investors so i i've been traveling a lot and it's it's across the the us uh, uk markets uh, we are going to you know we start from edinburgh and uh, edinburgh and make our way, way down so it's really uh, efforts both at uh, uh, you know uh, marketing to a different set of investors um, doing a lot of webinars doing a lot of conferences so we are uh, uh, better known in the market and also the performance is, is also delivering so i would say it's multiple factors uh, at play uh, and my sense is if we continue to perform um, and the fact that uh, india is uh, as a as a country is very well positioned to grow for several years uh, i would feel uh, this discount should uh, should actually narrow further thank you very much so you mentioned there about the performance of the of the fund, and that brings us on to to the next point. Now, now this is going to be a very difficult question to to answer with any with any certainty because we don't know what's what's on the horizon. However, fr- from where you're sitting, Gaurav, and, and you're looking at what's happening in in India and and looking at what you've got in in the trust, you know, anybody that's looking to to get involved in this at this point here, I mean, what would your idea of uh, of returns be going forward over the next three to five years what would you like to see uh, well it's very difficult to predict but uh let me give you a, a sense of uh, of the past uh you know i've been now been managing this uh, trust since 2011 and over this period uh the trust uh, NAV has compounded at about 14, uh, between 13 to 14 percent per annum in sterling terms. Uh, so that's uh, uh, one idea of the sort of returns you can expect based on just uh, past performance. Uh, having said that, if you look at uh, the Indian stock market itself, and you if you take the index, the BSE Sensex, which is the top 30 stocks, that has also delivered returns of somewhere around. Uh, uh, over a decade of about uh, 10, about 11%. And if you take a 20-year period, the returns have been about uh, 15% compounded uh, over this 20-year period in, in sterling terms. Uh, and that's largely, again, driven that the, you know, the market has grown simply because the earning, earnings have grown. Now, looking forward, you know, how we build the business is that we try and have a portfolio of companies where we are the aggregate earnings of our portfolio has typically been anywhere between 15 to 18%. And we try and buy businesses where uh, there's a high degree of predictability in earnings. And as I mentioned earlier, that we typically always buy businesses with the intent of holding it for at least three to five years. So, you know, you, you're looking at businesses which keep compounding over time. Uh, we have several stocks in our portfolio, which, you know, I, I would say almost 60% of our portfolio we've held for over five years. Now, so the whole idea is that if our portfolio is able to deliver this 15 to 18% earnings, all all things being normal, that's the sort of growth you should see in the NAV as well. Uh, assume a bit of uh, currency dilution. But you're still looking at, you know, just the earnings itself driving your NAV returns. So we've we've done that in the past. And the intent is also the same that, you know, buy predictable earning stories 
and the earnings compounding itself should should uh, give you a return and having said that uh, uh, as i said earlier that you know i've never been as positive on the outlook for the indian economy and uh, i am actually quite confident that india should see a period of sustained growth much better than what we've seen in the past fantastic so we spoke about the upside scenario gorav so now let's add some balance. Of course, we, we've spoken about you know the trends that are, that are providing the benefits to the Indian economy, and of course the, the holdings within your your portfolio. But it'd be good now to get you know the, the other side now and look at what some of the risks are. Um, provide some balance to what we spoke about. So, you know, in in terms of you know the, the Indian economy, where where do you see the the, the main risks, and, and how could you see this being upset going forward? And secondly, how are you going about managing these risks? How are you hedging these risks within the portfolio? You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, today the whole story about India is about growth. And the risk really also arises that what if this growth falters? And I'm fairly certain that on the domestic side, things are very much in place because, you know, a lot of work has happened and, and uh, the story just started to play out. I think where the risk happens is that uh, is uh, our worries are more on the on the global side, uh, especially if you're you're talking about a recession in Europe or or in the U.S. Uh, that really uh, you know the growth has multiple legs. Yes, domestic does do well, but if your exports start declining, it does uh, hit growth growth to some extent. So my worry would really be that uh, if the grow global economy is faltering, it will also hurt. Uh, uh, the Indian growth story. Having said that, India is more a domestic market. We are less than, you know, two uh, percent of the global uh, trade, so it's uh, it's less affected. But we've already seen that, you know, if you go back six months back, you know, the GDP forecast for India were anywhere between seven, about seven, seven point two percent. It's it's down to about six percent. And all the downgrade in growth is, is simply because uh, you're building a slower global economy rather than the domestic economy. So I'd really, uh, for me, the most, uh, you know, what I'm really seeing is what can puncture this growth. And that's that to me is, is, is the biggest risk. Thank you. So to finish off now, I'd like to ask you now, you, you may not uh, be able to, to answer this, but it would be good to get uh, your insight on it. Uh, Gaurav, so you know, when you look at the portfolio, do you have a, a particular favourite holding in there which you've maybe picked up within the last twelve months, or, or maybe a longer term holding that you're particularly excited about? Well, our portfolio turnover is is very uh, low, actually. You know, our portfolio turnover is just about twelve to thirteen percent. But yes, we keep uh, uh, looking for new ideas, and as I said, but the job of me and my team is just to find one good idea in a month, and we are done. So I'll really talk about my uh, my uh, my newest position. It, it's a it's a company called VIP Industries. It's actually the largest uh, luggage manufacturer in India. Uh, it's got multiple brands. Uh, uh, the top end is Carlton, which you'd be familiar with. It it was a UK brand which the company bought. So it's got four or five brands straddling the price segment. It has a forty seven percent market share in the luggage market in India. Uh, and it's uh, in terms of volumes, I think it's the second largest luggage manufacturer in the world. 
But what's happening is uh, the business is uh, booming because in India, domestic travel is has just gone through the roof. In fact, uh, in the uh, 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 the domestic air travel has hit all time highs. Uh, tourism is uh, is uh, is you know is on a different level. Uh, the Indian uh, government has. Uh, in the last four or five years, uh, opened 75 new airports uh, across smaller towns. Uh, so tourism is, is booming. And this is a company which we actually see should be compounding revenues at almost 20% per annum over the next four to five years. Its operating leverage is playing out. Its margins are, are rising. So uh, really, it's a, it's a company where we actually see uh, almost a 25% earnings growth for, for, for the next few years. And it's largely driven on the back of domestic tourism. And as I mentioned, you know, we've had so many reforms and these reforms have really gone into trying to uh, build tourism across the country and largely through infrastructure uh, developments which are happening in airports, in the hills, where you're seeing a lot of new roads, tunnels, highways being built. So uh, I think it's a company where, again, where I'm really looking at holding it for almost five years, uh, at least when I've, I've bought it. And uh, a strong earnings growth story, a very strong brand. Uh, and it has big strengths that it's got one of the largest distribution network in the in the in the country, and now they're spreading it to tier three, four towns and even rural areas. So uh, that's the sort of company I would say is is uh, what I've just added and where I'm the uh, very positive about on the outlook. Thank you very much, Gaurav. That's that's been that's been fascinating. So j- just a note to to listeners. Do check out the the notes to this podcast because there'll be a link through to the India Capital Growth Fund website. We'll be able to find some some more information, get the fact sheets, have have a a deeper look at some of those um, portfolio um, holdings that uh, Gaurav's kindly outlined. So, Gaurav, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.